It's the day of the show, y'all. The planning is done, and now it's time to move. The Thundermen are more or less ready to infiltrate the Heroic Oversight Guild and wreak havoc on their records. Thankfully, they have their very special trash can. Time to answer the eternal question, should we start this party right or start this party quickly? We listen to episode 33 of Taz Graduation, so you know what that means. It's time for Talking Taz. Welcome back to Talking Taz, your weekly journey through the worlds of the Adventure Zone graduation. With you as always is me, your host and producer, PJ, and with me as always is my lovely co-host, Lauren. Hello. Lauren, what did you think of this episode? I'm like on the fence. I don't know how I feel about it. Really? I loved this episode. You did? Yeah, I, I had mean, a lot of fun with it. I mean, like, no tea, no shade. I'm, I'm so glad that you liked it. There were times where I was like, this is really interesting, and other times I'm like, what is going on? So I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm ambivalent. Well, Dave, now let's just get into it then, because I'm curious to see where you <laughs> fell in and out, because I genu- genuinely really enjoyed this episode a lot. Well, that's good. I'm I'm glad you're that it's cheerleader. <laughs> well, you're usually the cheerleader, so we're like swapping places. This is weird. <laughs> this is bizarre. Then let's get into it. Yes, It's yes. the day of the big heist. You know, we're in the atrium very early in the morning, and it's nearly time for Chud Bobspin's first day on the job. <laughs> Which, if you don't remember, that is Fitzroy's uh, heist Sona. That is his heist Sona and Justin McElroy's favorite character in this campaign. <laughs> Bailey is at the reception desk. Chef Mike is cooking scones. And an exhausted-looking blonde elf is sitting with Althea. Taryn is waiting by one of the magical pools of water. And Holifer is sitting in her chair at the entrance to the lower levels. Fitzroy received a letter that morning which says that there's an old friend at the Heroic Oversight Guild to help the boys with their plan. And it's signed as their BFF, Prince Grey. Oh, BFF. F, it's canon. Yeah, we talked about this like a few episodes ago. Like when they first made their deal with Grey, we were like, can we just have them be best friends forever already? And here we are. (laughs) Here we are. I would love to have just like a spinoff of like a modern family, the office type of sitcom where it's just these boys getting into shenanigans with Grey, but you do like cutaways to like interviews with them. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> out of 10 uh, I'd, I'd be done to watch that uh, the friend <laughs> we can easily assume is the commodore mm-hmm, that's what i assumed as well Fitzroy enters the atrium and a parrot like aarakocra whom we can assume is kai approaches to help start chud chud's training <laughs> Fitzroy introduces himself bowing very deeply and saying he's honored to train under them kai hands Fitzroy a training badge which does have an emerald in it so he can fully access the heroic oversight guild and they go on a tour very convenient yeah, I mean, but I mean, it makes sense, right? It's like your first thing on the job. They're going to, you know, show you around the whole resort. I totally agree. Would they show you the super secret, sensitive, need to know basis? If areas? you're a male person, yeah. I guess that's true. If you're like a security person or like a male person, you would have to know literally like, everything. Like, sure, like at our job, right? Like when we're training to be dressers, like obviously they don't show us like you know, the upstairs room of the Matterhorn, right? Like Mm -hmm, the basketball mm -hmm. room. But you obviously get that tour if you're probably in like the fire department or in something akin that might need to access that at some point. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. They also kind of bring it up, right? Because they're like, oh, like you're going to be on the... Because Fitzroy's kind of like, how do I get on like the team that delivers here? And he's like, you are on the team. You you interviewed so you well. You interviewed so well because he had 20 to his interview. So he like... did. Travis is really honoring that this time. I know he hasn't always honored roles in the past, but like he that paid off huge this time. Yeah. 
Well, and again, I think it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Again, male person, but also he interviewed so well that he immediately got like rank three male person or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's true. All right. You've convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, this is one of the few moments where their messery has an actual answer. <laughs> <laughs> So they kind of go over like the guard situation. So at the bottom of each ramp is a guard station. There's three guards in total and they don't say stationary. They kind of like walk around their beat. Mm-hmm. And you see where the stalactites and the cabinets are. It's surrounded by glass. Fitzroy stops at the first guard podium and he pretends to lose control of the cart, sending the packages spilling all over the place. And when he's cleaning up, he slips a package, his birthday surprise box, under the guard station and Golden Snippers is on the back of the box. I loved this moment. This felt very heisty to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where they have the accident and they like plant their bugs or like their things are going to use for later. That was such a solid move. No, I think, yeah, it's, it makes total sense. I feel like, and this is not a gripe at all because I think it's the right call, but I feel like Travis kind of course corrected for Griffin here in a way to help him because like griffin was like i'm gonna pretend i slipped and travis is like you're sure and he's like yeah and he's like so you do it in a way where it looks like it slipped and it's not obvious who fell first because i think travis was trying to be like you if you purposely slip it's gonna look like you're not qualified for the job so like i'm gonna just say that that's not actually what happened it's like it looks like the cart lost control and you kind of followed it which like i wasn't mad at but i was like let griffin mess up here because he is making the wrong call you you are a very big i guess an advocate for that sort of thing where There have been times where in our campaigns, I will say something as my character and someone else will be like, are you sure you want to do that? And you're like, no, no, let her make her decisions. And like, inevitably, it's always the wrong decision whenever I make it. But you're very big about if you say you're going to do something, you're going to do something. And I won't always course correct you if it's the wrong decision. Yeah. I mean, I generally like sometimes I will kind of like throw in like, guiding hand statements but i never Mm -hmm. i try to be very loose with them like so that it's just like a general question and if you think about it it'll be like a guiding hand but more often than not you'll probably just be like it more often than not sounds like me just clarifying yeah exactly so i didn't even pick up on that in this interaction but as soon as you pointed out to me i was like oh yeah he should have just let griffin i guess in this case fitzroy or Chud Chud. <laughs> Griffin, a.k.a. Fitzroy, a.k.a. Chud Chud. <laughs> I'm so in the weeds with these characters. So, yeah, no, he should have let him do his thing and just see what happens. Yeah. But it's I mean, fine. I think it wasn't the end of the world. Like, I just noticed that, like, he kind of, like, little, you know, did, like, a little, like, guiding hand on the back there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Elsewhere, Argo enters the atrium wearing his literally just a janitor's uniform. Literally just a janitor. And has the full access badge with a huge Fearbulg-sized trash can on wheels. And Master Fearbulg is inside the trash can after some discussion because he kind of didn't discuss with Justin ahead of time. He didn't discuss with anyone ahead of time, but he was like, I have this really big trash can. And Travis is like, excuse me, where did you get that? And Argo, or Clint, I guess, was like, "Um, we've always had this. We're always making messes. And I was like... (laughs) The canonical big fear bulk sized trash can. How have I yeah, missed this? The Thunderman LLC branded trash can. God, we've talked about it in like every episode. I must have like blocked that from my memory because I like just have no recollection of this at it's all. It's just like this weird super cut of me talking about how the trash can's my favorite character. <laughs> and you're just like, like when did that happen? 
It's like in the the Real Housewives TV show where they're sitting in front of the camera going, that didn't happen. And then they have a cutback to when that exactly happened. This is that. God, who knows? Maybe I'll have some receipts ready. Um, I <laughs> really don't think you will because, like I said, no memory of this trash can. I mean, I'm here for it. I love that they have it, but I'm like, that's cute, Clint. Oh my God, I love the Thunderman trash can. It is my favorite character in the entire arc, actually. Honestly, we'll never forget it, and it'll be our most important and favorite character forever. <laughs> uh, as Clint comes in with this trash can that we know and love so well, uh, he does notice <laughs> that there are decorators getting everything ready for the ceremony today. You know, the Commodore becoming the Admiral. Yeah. Obviously, kind of not making Argo too happy. Chud Shed and Kai have made their way through the records department and down to the archives. The doors into the archives seal when they close to help keep the environment intact and to keep the magical exhaust away. We immediately jump back again to Argo and Master Fearbolt, who are heading down to the archives when Holifer stops them and is like, um, weren't you the person that was being dragged out of here yesterday? And in my brain, I was like, there's such an easy explanation because they gave an explanation last time. The explanation was Fearbolt was on a bad trip and Argo came in to help get him out. And then the guard helped the guard just escorted them out. That was an explanation they gave last episode would have been the right explanation to give again this episode but instead argo was like yes you are right i am criminal criminal is me and i am on work release to work in the most highly secured place in our country (laughs) i mean listen clint has some pretty crazy ideas throughout this entire campaign right with like all of his water stuff with his roasts all of the roasts that he's ever invented for people this was so crazy i was like you literally there's literally context to why you were there yesterday good context at that and more context as to why you could be here again today like you couldn't you know have your appointment because the fearbolg had his trip so yeah there was some confusion but like you're back here today to like have an appointment anything like that right yeah and he went for i'm doing time here (laughs) And justifiably, Travis is like, that's dumb and bad, and I'm going to have you roll at disadvantage. But Argo, pull it, I mean, Clint, pulling out actual D&D knowledge, he's like, well, actually, my Justice Janitor's uniform gives me advantage, so those cancel out. Which, so two notes here. Ooh. I do think it's a little sus. I do agree that this should have been disadvantage, mm-hmm. but I do think it's a little sus that Travis didn't say disadvantage until after the roll was made. Like What? I didn't even well, catch no, that. Well, no, like, listen back. Like, Argo's like, it's a, you know, he says his roll number, and uh, Travis is like, actually, it's a disadvantage, which I think it's the right call. I, I feel like that is the right call. Like, you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is a disadvantage. Like, in my brain, like, my super justification is he just didn't think to say it until then. But it was a little, like, I got a high roll. Well, disadvantage, though. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of like when, like, a player is just rolling their dice and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I rolled this without you asking. It feels similar, right? The players already rolled their dice, they have their number, and then the DM goes, actually, disadvantage. You are very good about doing advantage-disadvantage pre-roll, and you're also very big about tell me what you're doing, exactly what you're doing before you're rolling here. Yeah. I I will chalk this one up, though, to just not realizing, because this is justified disadvantage. It doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like a, like, oh, you succeeded, so I'm mad. Yeah. But but it's something Travis should be mindful of. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And I was super proud of Clint for remembering what his items do and, like, being like um actually 
But you know, he's not wrong, and Mm-mm. you know, I he gets that successful role, and even though his lie is super bad, like even with the theoretical disadvantage, he gets that lie past Holifer with a very successful role. Very successful. Argo is super good at lying. Yep. We cut back to Fitzroy, who can see via his golden snipper's eyes that Argo has made his way downstairs and is about to pass a magical eye, which will be able to clock the Fearbulg in the trash can. Yikes. So instead, Master Fearbulg pops out in between Holifer and the next guard station and ducks down to hide. Argo <laughs> continues onward by himself, heading down the ramp and meets the guard, Lennon, whom the Fearbulg jumped on yesterday, you know, with his in, as his little rat form or mouse, mice form and yeah, scratched yeah. his face up a little bit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Argo again manages to lie his way past the guard uh, very easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guard's very much like, uh, aren't you that guy? And then for some reason, I think for some reason they were misremembering it that Argo threw the fear bug at him. And I was like, and even Travis and everyone was like, no, the fear bug jumped out at his own volition. He did. No, yeah, the fear bug made that decision. Yeah, so for like, that interaction. Let's yeah. not make this harder than it has to be. But yeah, he was like, aren't you that guy? And he's like, I am. And like, it sucks. I'm so sorry. I'm a criminal. Again, mama, I'm in love with a criminal. And <laughs> like, if I find that rat, I'll bring him here for you to kill personally. And I was like, what is this characterization today, Argo? I know. I was like, Argo, what is happening today? So, you know, he makes it past Lennon. And he heads down past the other guards and he finds Fitzroy and Kai. As he approaches, Argo notices a steam cloud appear over Kai. And hmm. it's like, wait, what's going on here? Yeah. And it follows him as they all head into the archives. And I um, was like, I was like so confused. I was like, what's happening? Is this like some weird like protector, protectron spirit that like is like they're going to try to defeat like, you know, like chloroform Kai and then the spirit's going <laughs> to set off the alarm? Obviously, that's not what it was. It was... You know, spoiler alert, Master Fearbulk. It was. I was so shook because I was like, is this gray in a I also was kind of like, is this gray? Yes. I instantly went like, okay, this is gray. And he's like going to mind control Kai so that he'll like help them out with their scheme. Picturing like the the Eeyore rain cloud that like just follows him everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking it is. But it's it wasn't. Yeah, but- no, it was just uh gaseous form i didn't realize you could wild shape into a gaseous form well no gaseous form is its own spell it's a sp- i've literally never oh my interacted God, with Lord. it don't you judge me uh, first of all second that's not true what gaseous form has been used in games we've played like the fact that like you haven't looked at every potential spell in this game <laughs> <laughs> Just shows me that you're not a real D&D player. <laughs> I'm a really bad D&D player because I haven't looked at the entire spell book for all of the classes in Dungeons. I have only ever looked at the spells for the classes I've been playing at the time. I mean, Such but you've a played fan. a wizard. I played a wizard for a one shot and I didn't. You need to play a. Re- okay, like so a like wizard separate. Wizard. No, you actually haven't really played a wizard. Not really. And like, you really should. Wizards are cool. And I think you get the most out of learning some of the deeper stuff of the game because you do have to kind of learn every spell. Yeah, because there are so many that yeah. wizards especially get to learn and their spell books can be huge yeah so i mean that's my challenge to you play a wizard play a wizard i'll have to look at their i'll have to look at the subclasses and see which one intrigues me the most it's always evocation i don't care about literally any other wizard subclass besides evocation so that you can spell sculpt yeah 
Mm. Literally nothing better than spell sculpting. Look, I love divination wizards. They're cool. Necromancers are kind of cool. But like, God, the ability to just literally fireball inside of a tiny room and be like, yeah, I know all my friends are in there, but like, it's fine, is unbeatable in this game. That's true. It is so broken to just be like, I'm going to cast this very dangerous spell, but like these five people are totally fine. You're all fine. fine. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) You You don't have have to to do that like thing that every spellcaster has to do where they're like, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to position it right here so that it gets like the back left leg and (laughs) and this part of this enemy, (laughs) but none of my friends. (laughs) Or if it is one of your friends, you're like, do you have evasion? You have evasion? (laughs) Cool. Seriously. But yeah, I, I'm a Evocation Wizard stand, but they're also like the most basic version, right? Everyone loves Evocation Wizard because of spell sculpting. Mm-hmm. They have so many different versions. Play around, see what you like. And you know, uh, you'll be a wizard, Lauren. I'll, I might be a wizard. Would I be a witch? I could be either. I mean, you could be whatever you want to be. Believe in yourself. Oh, oh my God. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> Argo and Fitzroy are in the archives with Kai and the archives Ah! and are unsure what to do. They can't seem to ditch him and they don't know where the fear bulk is. So Fitzroy upsets the card again by the, you know, to try to distract him. And while that's going on, Argo notices a cloud turn into a small fairy dragon and attack the mechanical eyes. So it's like, oh yeah, this is the fear bulk. It is the fear bulk. I don't know what he's, I mean, I know he has to be like a part of the scheme, but (laughs) It's so wild. Wild shape. Oh. (laughs) His attack is successful on the mechanical eye, and he continues attacking the other eyes. He then attempts to use his breath attack, which is successful, and it leaves Kai wandering around pretty harmlessly because the fairy dragon can do an ability where they essentially kind of mesmerize a person. Yeah, that that was a super cool move. I was like, oh, well, now Kai's taken care of. Yeah. So that makes that pretty easy now. Mm-hmm. The two bottom guards see this happening, though, and start to run towards them. Yikes. So Fitzroy contacts Zippers and has him trip the box to scramble all the mechanical devices in the area. So through some weird logicking, Travis explains why, like, it's a great thing that that happened, but also, like, not the most beneficial thing. Mm. And it's like, I get it. They can't just win immediately with this one move. I understand that. So he basically is like, yeah, like that'll deactivate this, 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 and this, but it won't deactivate this and this, right? Yeah, I mean, he had to put... I mean, understandably, right? There's a range on this box. Yeah, and like, obviously more important things are going to have like backups and stuff. It makes sense. It does it make sense. sense. Yes, I fully supported Travis being like, yes to this handful, no to this handful. Hello everyone, it's me, PJ, your host, producer, and friend, here as always to thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you're enjoying the episode. Keep up with all new episodes by following us on social media. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Taz. On Facebook, you can also find the official Taz group, where you can interact with us as well as other fans of the podcast. Or go to our website, talkin-taz.pinecast.co, for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. Links to all of that can be found in the show notes. If you're enjoying the show, tell your friends about it and leave a review on iTunes. It really does help. Thanks for tuning in. Now, back to the podcast. Fearbulk slips the re-anchoring stone into Fitzroy's shoe. Oh my god. (laughs) So he can reorient himself whichever way he chooses. 
but it immediately realizes this is like a dumb idea because it just sends Fitzroy hurtling up towards the stalactite. Yes! I was like, what? This was going so well, right? I mean, we have guards coming to us, so like that's the new kink in the thing. And then all of a sudden, Fitzroy's flying up into the air, and I'm like, what? What is happening? Yeah, but I, it was a funny moment. Oh my god, I was so stressed, and I was like, Justin? Justin, what did you do? I get it. Like, it's oh, I literally just don't understand why he did it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, it, it does feel like the fear bull just panicked and was like, oh, my God, we need to get out of here. Here, Fitzroy. Oh, no. I just, oh, my God. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm so used to Justin pulling out these crazy OP moves as like Taco and then even as Duck when he was just like the normal guy in Amnesty. And to have this where he's like, oh God, um, re-angering Stone. I was like, what are you what are you doing? That is such an unfair statement in like so many ways. <laughs> what? You're like, I he has done so many cool moves in other campaigns as other characters, completely separate characters, and disregarding all the cool moves he's done as this character this one weird move makes me question everything it doesn't make me question everything i just came into this thinking like oh justin's gonna have this crazy move that he pulls out of nowhere because yeah even as the fearbolg he's impressed me with like how creative he is in these situations and i was like re-anchoring stone cool into fitzroy's shoe what what I was just expecting so much. I want someone to judge every move you do. Oh, wait, that's me. I was going to say, you do it and I do it. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think this is as bad as you're making it out to be. Like that, I'm just going to be, I think it's the wrong move, but I don't know. I I'm feel like I've seen the fear bug make the wrong move before. And then like later on, I'm always like, huh, Travis kind of had like, I mean, Justin kind of had like a plan there. I mean, I absolutely trust that Justin has good intentions and like maybe has this, maybe he's playing 3D chess when I'm just playing regular chess, even though I can't play chess, but. Well, all chess is 3D chess. We live in a three-dimensional space. Oh my God. No, but I mean like the real, like where there's multiple So he's playing like 4D chess. Is that what you mean? Okay. He's playing 4D chess. Well, the rest of us are just playing chess. Like. Maybe, but the fact that we don't even know how this ends, we don't even know what the ramifications are going to be from this stone going into Fitzroy's shoe. I was like, I'm. I mean, he could just take off the shoe. He could. He doesn't. We don't. But he could. He could. We don't know anything. We don't know anything. The second I would start lifting in the air, I'd be like, shoe off. End of story. I would, if it was me and I was heading up towards the stalactites, I would ready a weapon person if i was like because Fitzroy's a but barbarian see, i that's too long that's too long term why the time it would take you to ready your sword take your shoe off end of story you fall what five ten feet take what a d6 of falling damage you're five i just see, you being like i'm gonna ready my weapon unnecessary no ready the weapon to like take out the stalactites yeah, or like start that, to yeah, like the, the time it would take you to ready a weapon easily take off a shoe <laughs> see we would just approach it completely differently but i don't and I know think, and i think that's why we're freaking reacting to this differently is because you're like thinking of the worst case scenario and i'm like this is an easily solvable miss yeah you you're also playing 40 chess over there with justin and i'm just sitting over here like what the hell do i have to do now to get out of this because 
I'm stuck. But you, regardless of the Fitzroy situation, which yes. is like a big hindrance. Yes. It's an even bigger hindrance because now it's just Argo and Fearbulg against these two approaching guards. Mm-hmm. And the Fearbulg, you know, transforms back into himself uh, and rushes out looking like Holifer <gasps> and grabs Argo in a headlock. But it doesn't work. He rolls super low, even with advantage on the deception check. And this was the thing that I was like, I get it. We're just rushing to the end of the episode. But they were like, oh, you're in a many man's mask, like a man of the many masks mask. And they just take it off of him. And I'm like, and I was like, shouldn't there be like a roll to see if they can? Right. Yes, absolutely. I was just like, you just you just do it. You don't have to roll for it. You don't have to see if you can see through the mask like what is happening and so they rip off the ma- the many many mask masks with no role again weirdly mm-hmm. sus the Ar- now there's just argo the fear bowl cornered by these two guards who know that they're not supposed to be there and fitzroy slowly drifting like that that seated willy wonka where they're like wow look at us we're floating it's so relaxed oh my god the fan blades here's here's my question right here's where i was starting to get super stressed out this re-anchoring stone is just about reorienting the way gravity is pulling you right yeah so travis even said that fitzroy's floating up to the ceiling i'm like no no if it's gravity, he is being pulled that 9.8 meters per second up to these stalactites. Like, it is an insane force that is yanking him up. No. Now to the ceiling. Yes. That's how gravity works. No. Yes. Yes. He, he's not floating because gravity is now above him. So he's getting shot upwards. Like, realistically, the reagering stone would be a purposeless magical item if it always worked if it was an immediate if it was an immediate tr- shift if it was an immediate transfer so he put it into his shoe and he activated it for the ceiling which means now it's flipped 9.8 meters per second you can die from just like a fall from like so many stories you can no, no yes. you're right on that but the idea that you think that the reacquiring stone would immediately shift gravity as hard as it physically could, it would be a pointless item. Because realistically, even if you were on, like, let's say you wanted to shift it so that you are you were up against the wall, realistically, if we're using, like, realistic gravity standards, mm-hmm. if the only way to do that would be, like, you would essentially break, you, would, you wouldn't be able to shift gravity without breaking your limbs in one way or another. Okay, so let's say that you are right, and it does do, like, a gradual thing at some point fitzroy is getting yanked up to the ceiling at the normal rate that gravity pulls a person downwards so maybe initially he's like floating up but at some point that's gonna kick in and like pull him up real fast real hard yeah i'm so stressed (laughs) i'm not i mean what's the what's the ceiling how high is the ceiling 20 feet i don't know if it's ever specified how high up it is. At least not in this episode. It might. Let's say it's a twenty week. foot ceiling. Okay, that's two d six of damage. Okay, I mean, still, that's. Ugh, I don't. I don't. What two d six of damage is going to kill Fitzroy? It's not. Oh you no, know, like, not right I, now. I guess. I guess. We're, I guess this is just where we're so differing on this. Is I'm just. I guess like I and this is totally fair. You're looking at this from a story perspective, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at this from a D and D perspective. It's true. Yes, I'm looking and at I'm it. I'm here like, 
okay, well, worst case scenario, let's say he does fall at terminal speed upwards 20, 30 feet. That's what, 2 to 3d6 of damage, which if he rages along the way, halved? Mm-hmm. And, like, sure, he'd theoretically be, like, impaled up there, but also, like, that could be an additional, like, I don't know, a d10 of piercing damage or something. Yeah, see, thinking about it in those perspectives... But at that point, like, max damage, max, max, worst-case scenario, he takes 28 points of damage, everything is at the worst possible thing. Assuming a 30-foot ceiling, which is unrealistic... Mm-hmm. Um, he would max take 28 points of damage. Yeah, max he would take 28 points of damage, and I'm like, that's passable. And especially if, I mean, I hope Griffin's smart enough to remember that he's a barbarian and can rage if he's actually worried about this. And then he'll only take max 14 points of damage. That's where my brain sees the situation going. Yes, that's, and see, when you put it in those perspectives, like, it's not as bad. I am thinking thinking of it as in, very sciencey and very story driven as opposed to dungeons and dragons yeah driven. And, you know i think it's it's easy to god because dnd is so funny in the way that it handles but i kind of head canon essentially in dnd that everyone is just built more durable mm-hmm. because like you gotta think about it think about you in a dnd fight and you have a sword and you hit someone five times and they don't go down right mm-hmm. but like you, Lauren, if someone hit you with a sword one time, you're probably just dead. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm donezo. Over. If someone hits me with a sword one time, like, that's the end of my story. Yes. I don't have a, an extensive extra well of HP. Some humans do. You see those people that get shot, like, nine times and are, like, fine. Yes. Or whatever. The, like, clearly they're, like, level four, level five people, but... <laughs> You know, it's so funny because, like, yeah, sometimes that is, like, the the trade-off with having a mechanics-based system in a storytelling-based world mm-hmm. is, I mean, realistically, when you tell a story, things should have more consequence in a way. And, and D&D is all based on consequence, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you could literally, like, do this amazing, empowered, like, wonderkin move, right? Like... We just had in our in our campaign one of our characters do no joke like a hundred and nine damage in one round of combat, mm-hmm. and the enemy's like still standing. Yes, like handily still standing. Granted, it was a dragon, right? A but red like, dragon. Yeah, but you have to think like if someone walked up to you, let's say even you're not a dragon, but like there are human characters that can have more than 109 HP, right? Mm-hmm. Like fighters and stuff. Fighters and stuff will easily reach like 150s and whatnot as you Easy. get to the higher levels. And you imagine if someone walked up to you as a person and you just what trained really hard to be good at punching things. Like that's essentially what that means if you're like a high level fighter mm-hmm. i'm just super good at punching in swords and you're so good at punching in swords that someone can literally walk up to you and like holy smite you with the fury of their god three times for 109 points of damage and you're like ha tis but a flesh wound <laughs> i mean that's what's so wild to me about D, right because i'm thinking at this point in the episode fitzroy's dead Right, because he will at some point be hurtling up towards these stalactites, impaled over. But then, when you think about it from a D and D perspective, he just has to roll some dice, and he's gonna be fine. Yeah, and that's actually something that I. This is something I appreciate about the Uncharted series of video games, because I think it's the first storytelling thing where they like justify it in this interesting way. Mm. Where essentially, like 
um, the way that it works there is like Nathan Drake, like the main character, isn't getting shot every time he's shot. His luck is running out slowly each time. And by the time he dies, he just finally actually gets shot. (laughs) Okay, so it's kind of like a luck barrier. Yeah, and so like I've heard DMs run it kind of this way where, you know, like each each attack is essentially like almost more like glancing or like you know none of these like attacks are actually like piercing through your stomach and whatnot like Mm -hmm. it's almost getting there like it's breaking through your armor Mm -hmm. and slowly your armor and your you know your will will to fight is whittling away and the final blow is finally the one that actually like stabs through and makes makes purchase that makes way more sense that makes way more sense. But at the end of the day, you can't do that for everything, right? Because how mm-hmm. do you justify something like that with the stalactites? I guess you could just, in theory, say, like, yeah, like, you're just really good at landing. <laughs> it's just, I mean, you could have him roll, like, dexterity to see if he's able to, like, move himself out of the but way But even without time. dexterity, right? Let's say you don't do that. Let's say he just straight up lets himself fall. Your damage threshold is so low based on the mechanics in place. Mm-hmm. It's true. And it's, it's interesting, true. and I think that's why we're, again, I see where we were thinking differently, but I think at the end of the day, we can kind of agree, like, that's like the trade-off with playing D&D, right? Yes. Because in an alternate universe, you could theoretically just play, quote-unquote play, a, a cumulative, like, a community story game, mm-hmm. where we just tell each other what's happening. And in that version, this is more intense, because I'm just telling you, you're flying towards spikes. And yep. you just have to tell me what your response is. But in this version, it's like you're flying towards spikes and the maximum amount of wrong that can happen to you is like one fifth of your max HP. And that is the worst, worst that could happen to you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. This is where I was getting frustrated because because I hadn't thought of it in D&D terms and the episode was ending. So I was like, I don't even get to know how this ends you're just gonna leave me on this it's called a cliffhanger and i hated it i hated it as a storyteller as a storyteller i love cliffhangers as a reader or a listener hate them (laughs) that's that makes no sense to me it does make sense as a storyteller i don't do anything that i don't like as a reader or listener oh yeah no as a storyteller i do the things that annoy me but like you love to hate cliffhangers, right? Because you're like, no, what happens next? But also, I have to find out what happens next. So yeah. Like, yeah, you love to hate them. But I, I just saw the the number on the episode going down to like two minutes, one minute. And I was like, they're not going to resolve this. There's no way they're going to resolve this. I'm so mad. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. They're not going to resolve this. And we're going to see. Honestly... I could be talking all this, spouting all this mess about, like, how it's, like, not that big a deal and, like, the max amount of damage isn't much. But then we can get into the beginning of the next episode and they're like, so Fitzroy died, impaled on the spikes on the ceiling. <laughs> so, like, we'll see. Maybe you're right. <laughs> I. Uh, but my brain is just, like, it's D&D. Like, Thank God it's D&D. Like, they're going to use D&D mechanics and because it's D&D mechanics, it's not going to be that consequential. Yeah, it's it's probably going to be fine at the end of the I day. I still agree with you. Like, I don't understand why the Fearbulk did this move. But at the end of the day, I also think it was like the Fearbulk panic making this move. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just in being like, what would be the funniest dumb thing the Fearbulk could do in a panic? Yeah, it was very in character. I could just see him like rifling through his pockets and stuff and like, here's the re-anchoring stone. Oh, I'll just, I'll just put it here. Yeah. I'll just give it to Fitzroy. 
But, I mean, we'll see what happens after this cliffhanger that you love to hate so much. Love to hate. I'm curious about Kai, just by the way, just like as an aside, because like Kai is essentially kind of just like wandering around harmlessly, but there's about to be a huge fight and he's just like there. Yeah, but I mean, I think he's kind of fine, right? Like he is just wandering around aimlessly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the worst case scenario would be wanders aimlessly back into the fight and I guess maybe gets hurt. But I would assume that that would probably knock him out of the confusion, which would add him back into the fight. But mm-hmm. I think they would probably be careful to avoid that as like the Thunderman. And the guards probably wouldn't attack Kai by accident if they could help it. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I think we're going to forget about Kai for a bit. I, <laughs> it's going to be my guess. I was like, is this going to be another Mimi think, and Moon situation? Well, I think just it's disappeared. less Mimi and Moon because I think Mimi and Moon was Travis like legitimately just forgetting about mm. them i think travis has just instead on this marked the kai box as checked okay so he's like, okay, like kai is that, taken care yes, of yes exactly i think mm. that's how he's handling it which is i think the best way to handle a heist and i think you could theoretically bring him back and have that be like a twist later on sure and be like oh he snapped out of it and now you thought you were safe but kai's back but we'll see if he does that we'll see if he does that i just hope it's not a mimi and moon situation <laughs> Yeah, it seems like he just checked the box, but hopefully he didn't just forget. But we'll see. We'll it's only see. been like a few minutes. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. But we'll see next episode if he just legit forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to wait till next episode for all of this to resolve. Yeah, but until we get to that next episode, I've been PJ. I have been Lauren. We'll see you next time when we are once again talking Taz. Uh-huh.